Good morning. Good to have the Brutons with us this morning. What a treat. And um, visitors with us. Good to have you here. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'd like you to um, consider a question this morning. Good way to start our message. Any message? Is God growing his church in Fremont in the closing weeks of 2016? Is God growing his church in Fremont and Hayward and San Leandro in these last weeks of 2016? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. The context here is Paul addressing the Corinthian believers in their contention, in their division. They were a split church. Some were behind uh, Paul, some were behind Apollos, some were behind Peter, and the really spiritual ones were behind the Lord Jesus, so they said. But Paul quickly um, races to, to correct the Corinthians. He says, um, no, it's not Apollos, it's not Paul, it's not Peter who grows the church but it's God. God gives the increase. And I'd like to take this for our consideration this morning that God is growing his church. In the, in the Greek, in verse 6, that word increase is um, the same as grow. It means the same as to grow. In the Beatitudes, the Lord Jesus Ask the disciples to consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Same word as uh, here in verse 6, how they grow or increase. And in the parable of the mustard seed, the Lord Jesus said, The mustard seed is the least of all the seeds, but, but when it is grown, same word, or increased, it is greater than all the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So we have a beautiful word picture of the Lord growing his church in these, uh, these verses in 1 Corinthians 3. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for your encouragement this morning as we consider that you are growing your church and that um, it's not through our... Um, our greatness, it's not through our abilities, but instead it's through, um, through your direct hand, using our abilities, and uh, open your word, open our eyes to your word this morning. Encourage us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. God is growing his church. This um, humble little plant has raised up from its, um, its station out in the foyer 
and it's finally uh, exalted here this morning. But um, uh, by way of illustration, this is a living organism. It's alive. Um, other plants around here are plastic, but this one is really alive. Um, I didn't plant it, but I watered it, and, uh, and God has given increase. You, you see that it's uh, about podium high right now. We'll bring it back in a year or two, and you'll see that, um, that it's increased in height. But um, the amazing thing is that as you, as you water this plant, the water starts at the bottom and it goes to the top. I wish that we had the technology to trace a molecule of water from the soil through its little trunk and up into its branches to the outermost leaf. That would be neat to see, uh, to watch this little, uh, this molecule travel. How fast does it travel? There is photosynthesis going on right now. This uh, little plant is drinking in the, the sunlight. It's taking your carbon dioxide that you're giving off and it's producing more, uh, more leaves and more branches. Can I explain it? I explain it about to the extent that I can. <laughs> We're amazed by a little tree, but um, we've got redwoods out in the yard that are 50, 60 feet high. And I, I'd love to uh, have that, um, that technology to watch the, the water go up the trunk and the nutrients, the minerals go up the trunk and how it, uh, it uh, fastens to other molecules and creates the things that the trees, the trees need. How fast does that water go up the trunk of the tree? I don't know, but uh, that, would be, that would be cool. So God causes the growth of his church. He's writing to the Corinthians about the origin of the Corinthian church. And he states plainly that God alone is responsible for its increase. Much of the growth of the church, like the movement of the water and the minerals and nourishment in the plant or tree is invisible to us. But we see its, um, its effect, we see the results of its, um, its labor through the years. And so we see the effect in people's lives. We don't see people growing spiritually, but we see the effect as they are saved and maturing in Christ. Growth is uniquely the Lord's. We may plant, others may water, but if the Lord doesn't give growth, there will be no growth. And when there is growth, we should quickly acknowledge the one who caused it. We understand the growth of the church in its infancy from accounts like Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Luke wrote, with many other words, he, that is Peter, testified and exhorted the, uh, the hearers in Jerusalem saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then when those who gladly received his word 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. No problem. I get it. The church is growing. Verse, 20, uh, verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. You're saved. You're added to the church. It's, um, it's automatic. The Lord did it. Acts 4.4, 4, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. It's not difficult to understand that the Lord is, is growing his church. But consider uh, an illustration that preacher Charles Spurgeon gave many years ago that um, as growth may not be this dramatic today, it's still the Lord who causes the increase. Spurgeon was um, exhorting his, um, his hearers, and he used the illustration of uh, an ancient Eastern um, proverb, a fable. There was a religious teacher who had a pupil who was a prince. And this prince didn't believe in a uh, um, intelligent design. He didn't believe in a creator. And so the, the religious teacher took a, um, a little plant and he, uh, he set it before the prince and the plant began to grow and uh, began to sprout. Within an hour it had grown into a huge tree and it blossomed and it produced fruit. And the pupil said, ah, there is a God. And the teacher said, you are amazed because of the speed with which that tree grew. He said, there are trees all around us that have been growing for 20, 40, 60 years. And they are as much the result of God's increase, God's growing, as, as this plant that I've put before you. All you're amazed at is the speed with which it grew. But these trees are growing because God gives the growth. Spurgeon said, we lose the, the sense of God's presence when we don't see rapid results. We, uh, we don't sense that God is responsible for the increase because they are not growing as fast as we think they ought to grow. That was in, in the 1850s. Calvary Bible Chapel started in 1981 as um, San Lorenzo Bible Chapel by a group of seven men and uh, the wives of the five who were married. One single man married and uh, so that we have two of the original um, church planting team and, uh, and their wives here today. And uh, for this, Don and Krista, Howard and Kathy, we thank you. Thank you for your steadfastness. You're sticking with the program now for 35 years. Growth has been dramatic, but not as dramatic as the early church. Try squeezing hundreds of people into your living room, Kathy. <laughs> we started in the Ormsby home uh, in 1981. God is growing his church. There is no enemy, physical or spiritual, which can withstand, that can stop or slow down the growth of his church. 
There are enemies far more powerful than you or I, but we have the Lord Jesus promise, I will build my church. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to increase, and you're not going to stop me. Is God's church perfect? No. It's filled with sinners. It's filled with imperfect people. Redeemed? Saved? Yes. But perfection is God's goal. And in a coming day, soon, the Lord Jesus will present to himself a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, without hypocrisy, without uh, uh, competition, without self-seeking. He's going to present himself a glorious church. She's going to be beautiful, perfect. How does God grow his church? God grows his church not by transfers of membership, believers migrating from one assembly to another, That's just uh, shifting the the numbers around. God grows his church through new birth by transfer of souls from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. He grows by purchasing them with his own blood. Does that astound you? That's in Acts 20.28. Have you been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ? One may respond and say, well, no. I mean, uh, I'm not that bad. That's ghastly. A person dying for another person, shedding his blood uh, on a cross? No, I'm I'm not that bad. That person fails to realize that Jesus died for the ungodly. Jesus died for you. I have to come, I have to come here. I have to, to come to the realization that, that Jesus shed his blood for me. That when he was on that cross, he was purchasing my pardon personally. If you have not been bought with the blood of Christ, you are not part of his church. The violence of Calvary's cross shows the depravity of our sin, and it shows us the depth to which his love would go for us. And I appreciate the, um, the worship this morning. Uh, the Lord Jesus appreciates the worship this morning, um, uh, focusing on his love. I urge you who do not know the Lord, who are not bought with his blood, to trust him. Submit yourself to his washing. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb, that you too may have that expectancy. Be a part of his church and have that expectancy of, of being presented to him, a beautiful bride, on that, uh, on that glorious day. We have looked at how God grows his church numerically, but there is another important aspect of growth, and that is in maturity. 
That same word for increase or growth in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7 is also found in 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Same word, same word for growth um, uh, in numbers as, uh, as for maturity. So um, God matures his church. God increases, God grows his church through maturity. And one of the ways he matures is through pruning. First slide please. What do you see? What do you see? <laughs> All right, that was the answer to my second question, Jake. What do you see? Huh? Janyo and Megan, yes, they're enjoying uh, uh, time in the umbrella tree. <clears throat> That's in our backyard, and um, you can't see the date, really, but uh, that was a year and a half ago when uh, the De Silvas came over and we enjoyed, uh, we enjoyed having them over. So um, the answer to the second, my second question, what does the gardener see? Well, he, huh? Overgrowth. Overgrowth, okay. He sees a lot of leaves. He sees people enjoying the, uh, the product of his work, um, but he sees a lot of leaves. Um, slide two, Jake. What's this? That's the umbrella tree. Back to slide one. Back to slide two. That's the same tree. Uh, we uh, got home uh, Tuesday after dark, and Wednesday morning, I looked out the window and I went, what happened? What happened to our backyard? What, who's responsible for this devastation? <clears throat> it was a wreck. It wasn't just our beloved umbrella tree, but the, the trees in our backyard had been hacked and hewed. Who had done this? Our landlord. <clears throat> if he was here, I'd tell, him, I'd tell him the same thing. Our landlord told us weeks ago, I'm going to come and trim the trees. Okay. <clears throat> but I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> Keep that slide up if you would, Jake. Um, imagine the following conversation. Jim, thanks for coming to trim our trees. Um, but don't take, don't take very much off the trees. In fact, Jim, that branch right there, don't cut that one. In fact, Jim, over here, leave a little bit longer, okay, on, on these trees. And Jim, Jim would respond. He'd, he'd have shears in hand. He'd tip his hat back, and he'd go, can't I do what I want with my own trees? You need to uh, know something about our landlord. Uh, he is, um, he owns the tree. That's his tree. Okay, so I can complain, I can suggest, I can recommend, but it's Jim's tree. The second thing is, 
Jim is a professional gardener. He, he works he's, his lifetime as a, a Japanese-trained professional gardener. So look at the other plants. They, they reflect this Japanese, um, this Japanese look. So Jim's a professional, and I'm not going to tell Jim what to do. He's an expert. He's been at this for a long time. The third thing is about Jim is that he cares for his property. He's not going to do damage, irrecoverable damage to his, his property. All right? Jim's the gardener. He's the, uh, he's, the, he's the professional. We look at this tree and we think, what's going to happen? Um, but it's going to turn back to what you see in the previous slide, Jake. <clears throat> it's going to be here again. Jean and Megan, come back to our house, please, in, uh, in May and uh, enjoy our tree again. And you others, too. We'd like you to... Um, to enjoy our Japanese garden. Jim eliminated the branches that were in the way of growth. So the divine vine dresser, the divine gardener, takes away what stands in the way of our maturing. <clears throat> he authors or allows the departure of some of our dearest saints. He's called some to glory, and I hesitate to name them. I, um, I have depended on them so closely through the years, but uh, if I start to name them, I'll miss some. But uh, God has taken them from our presence. He's taken them home to glory, and I mourn their loss. I'm sorry for their departure. It's right. It's right to mourn because they were our <clears throat> they were our disciples. They were our teachers. They were our examples. They were our encouragers. They were the ones who stood by us in um, in hard times and and uh, loved us even when we were uh, we were not deserving of that love. They prayed for us. Precious times of, of prayer at, um, at Bethesda uh, with the older saints. We, um, we had a prayer meeting there for a while, and it was in a, an upper studio of uh, one of the apartments there. Lita's nodding her head. Um, precious. They're gone. Those saints are gone. The Lord took them home. They're with him. We keenly feel the absence of a departed brother or sister who has guided us, who's cheered us on, who has uh, prayed with us, but we mustn't hang our hands and heads down. We mustn't have our knees weak with, um, with the loss. We stand in danger of criticizing the gardener, the gardener, of disrespecting him of judging him for, uh, for trimming, for pruning too aggressively. Get it? Yeah. We, um, we, don't, uh, we don't mourn um, for those as those who have no hope. This was um, depicted very, 
very well for us in 2 Kings, in the, in the life of Elijah. And I'd like to turn there, please. 2 Kings chapter 2. The scene here is um, Elijah had been following Elijah for, for several years, had been ministering with, um, with the prophet, and the Lord revealed to Elijah and Elijah that um, he was going to take Elijah home. And um, okay, so let's read. In uh, 2 Kings 2, starting at verse 8. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elijah said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elijah crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Elisha depended on Elijah. Elijah was his example, he was his mentor, he was his father spiritually. And so um, he showed his grief. He ripped his garments when Elijah was called away, when the Lord uh, whisked him away. And um, in verse 14, it was a pathetic cry as um, Elijah picks up the mantle of Elijah and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is he? He was, he was uncertain. He was fearful. He was... Um, uh, he didn't have the faith, if you will, of Elijah. But to his credit, when he struck the water in faith, the river parted, the Jordan parted, and he was able to, to cross the river. In verse 15, there was a lot that happened between uh, verse 14 and 15. In verse 15, the sons of the prophets saw Elijah, and they recognized the spirit of Elijah was now on him. Elijah had matured. He had taken the mantle. He'd taken the responsibility. 
He quickly became like his master. Bible scholars say that Elijah did twice the miracles that his father did, that Elijah did. And the key to responding to departed saints is to fill the gap, the gap that they had left. In a sense, we must become the faithful, caring, fruitful people that the departed were, faithful, caring, fruitful people. This became intensely applicable to me as one dear sister said, oh, I hope that we can resume the 10 o'clock class soon. <laughs> Amen, I, I agree. Um, but, uh, yeah, I enjoy the challenging exhortation and the lively discussions that we had in the 10 o'clock class, but it occurred to me much later to ask, what can you do to bring the 10 o'clock class back to, uh, uh, back to our schedule? She might say, well, I'm not a gifted teacher. I'm not a qualified teacher. But what about kitchen cleanup? What about nursery work? Helping teach a children's class? In short, freeing up someone who can free up someone else to take that responsibility again for teaching the 10 o'clock class. Now we've got our 10 o'clock class back. Or the kids club. God desires his church to be strengthened in the faith. He desires its members to be rooted as a tree and grounded in love, rooted and built up in Christ and established in the faith as they have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Thank the Lord for those who have stepped up and filled in the gaps. Um, I think particularly of Noad, as he um, ministers God's word as a regular teacher in uh, the place of a regular teacher who left. I thank the Lord for Sylvia and Marion as they stepped in when our purchaser left and have been doing uh, an excellent job. Um, Jen, thank you so much for um, producing the schedule faithfully and accurately. Uh, quarter by quarter. Young guys, Luke, Sam, Jake, shouldering the teaching of um, Don when he and Krista were so grappling with health issues. Well done. Thank the Lord for you. I thank the Lord for those who see the less public needs and they fill them in silently and unrecognized. Thank you. And a word for the rest of us, where are the other helpers? Where are the additional preachers and teachers and evangelists? Pruning takes away. Growth restores. God is glorified. Perfection is his goal, maturity. How are you responding to the season of God's pruning? God's purpose is for fruit bearing, for maturity, 
opening opportunities for testing and for service. In closing, I want to thank those. Uh, I want to thank the Lord for growing his church, especially for his committed under shepherds and their sacrificial care for the flock for 35 years. Thank you. Thank you for the energetic saints, the young people, men and women. Uh, one more thank you, Steffi, for playing piano in the absence of our pianist who left. Thank the Lord for gospel-minded brothers and sisters. There is cause for growth. There is, um, we are on the path of blessing, I believe, because of our energy in, in the gospel, our outreach. Thank the Lord for those who've been willing to step up to positions of new responsibility, even though that's uncomfortable, even though that's something new, something uh, out of our safety zone. Let's pray. To answer our question, Lord Jesus, yes, you are growing your church in Fremont in 2016. We thank you that as, um, uh, as the miraculous growth of the trees around us is your doing, that so is the growth numerically of your church and the growth in maturity. And uh, we, we give you full credit for that this morning. We um, pray that you'd encourage us, pray that um, those who've been laboring silently through the, um, through the pruning would be um, uh, recognizing that, uh, that you see, you notice, and you reward. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.